Hello everyone, this is Philosophy of the People with Ben Burgess and Stephen Bertram. Uh, and this week we're talking about libertarians. Uh, after another particularly uh, vile tweet by a libertarian on um, Twitter. Um, I was thinking about libertarians this week for obvious reasons. Uh, for exactly the reasons you would imagine. And I was thinking that what libertarianism seems to kind of be based on is like an intense reification of certain parts of, of capitalist society, mm. such as, as money, such as property, such as um, consent, and the law, very importantly. Um, but reifying these things so hard that you convince yourself that actually the things that is concretely their basis is not something that you require. So they kind of reify things like the law and money uh-huh. so much that they're like, well, the, the law and money will just exist, even if we don't have a Federal Reserve, even if we, we don't have a, a law system in, in the sense that we have now. Like, we, don't, we can have capitalism without a capitalist state because we've intensely reified these things so much that we think they're more real. They're like just, they're, they're concrete. They're, they're more real than me and you are, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it is interesting. Uh, there's a certain kind of libertarian, like the the Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand uh, libertarians, and I understand they don't like the L word, but I don't really care. Uh, that's uh, that who throw around this phrase sometimes about how they want a you know just like there's a separation of church and state, right? They they want like a complete separation of the the state from the economy, and I always wonder how serious that could possibly be about it like what that actually means because yeah i mean um, how is that not just anarchism yeah well because because if you actually have um you actually completely separate the state from the economy then it's like well okay so um you know i know you don't mean that the state's not in the business of enforcing contracts and uh and and property boundaries anymore because you know that's like the only thing you do want it to do (laughs) and um so that already seems like the state is is very very heavily involved in the economy. It's decided, you know, who has what, uh, who has the right to which which resources. Um, but uh, but then it's like, okay, so so does it not like the state not, you know, print money? That that seems like uh, a pretty extreme instance of state involvement in the economy, and 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 bad good luck having a flourishing economy uh, without that. Um, Obviously, you know, people will just print different money and people will go with the coolest money and the market <laughs> will sort it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh-huh. I think that, that, that is interesting. I, I think also kind of this, this, it's just, I find libertarians really interesting because there's simultaneously yeah. this thing where the subject is degraded. Uh, but also the subject is very much focused on because for something like that, like when they talk about like the invisible hand of the market and stuff like this, it seems almost to disconnect itself from real capitalism and become just like the things that people like will become the things which are most common because people will like the things that they like. Yeah. I I mean, it just, I I mean, it really is funny. Um, I, (laughs) Uh, I, I saw the other day um, there was a friend of 
friend of show, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson uh, had uh, <laughs> tweeted uh, that uh, he was like mad, you know, at, at Bernie Sanders because, uh, you know, Bernie had said one of the things that Bernie has said 20 times a day since 1971 about, um, you know, people having a, you know, rights to housing and healthcare and whatnot. And, uh, and, and he said, no, you know, you can have, uh, you know, you, you can't have a right to anything that you need somebody else to, to provide for you. And, you know, I mean, he, he put it in a much, much more intense, angry way than that. I mean, you've seen Jordan Peterson tweets, you know, the idea, um, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, made sort of obvious points about how, uh, property rights, uh, don't just sort of emerge without somebody having to, to provide for them. Um, and one of the Peterson uh, defenders I saw, this is my favorite response. Uh, they had, they said um, to show that property rights were natural. They had this, uh, they had this image from like the Jordan Peterson Reddit of this like heat map of uh of like wolves, like territory distinctions. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, I was seeing, you know, wolves have existed for however many millions of years, you know, and they, they have, they have property. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's kind of like, I like, feel a, like the Supreme court would probably rule against them. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Right. I think that if the wolves tried to argue that you could like put a housing development on there, cause they'd already peed on it. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, it was there. But also, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so should we kind of turn into roving bands of warriors who <laughs> who solve contract disputes through, like, group violence? Or, I don't know, like, what's the plan? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's also funny because it's like, well, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess you could call that property rights or just, like, uh, or, or, or just a sort of proto version of national borders, maybe, you know, that's, uh, if you're going to read this as like, what it, if it, human- it's also kind of the essential libertarian thing where capitalism has always existed everywhere forever, but also it's never existed anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. That when you have a problem with it, that's because capitalism doesn't really exist, but also, capitalism just like pops up in nature constantly it is 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 inescapable um and yeah they you know they're asked to describe capitalism and they'll start talking it's like that um i mean not that she's a libertarian but that uh sabine hassenfelder thing where she just started you know she just started uh going on in her capitalism video about how it's like more efficient to use money than to uh than to um than to you than to use barter, you know, to distribute goods, and it's like, okay, well, money has existed uh, since, you know, that's uh, like yeah, I mean, there's those hyper centralized uh, kind of Bronze Age states I was talking about last week. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. Money. yeah. I mean, this is the this is like the I know one of the David Graeber books who talks about how. Uh, it seems like the act, you know, the um, or like the first known instances of money were like, what was that, like the Phoenician like temple bureaucracy to uh, to help uh, sort of keep everything straight. Um, so it's like, yeah, you you know, like yeah, I mean, they had money in ancient Babylon. Did they have capitalism? 
it doesn't seem like it. That seems like a very counterintuitive way of using the word capitalism. Uh, but, uh, you know, although going back to the Iran point, like certainly a necessary condition for a flourishing capitalist economy is that you, uh, is that you do have some sort of monetary system in place, which is also another one of those double standards, like how capitalism has never existed anywhere, but always existed everywhere that, um, that they'll, they'll sort of simultaneously claim, all of the uh, prosperity that's been created by actually existing capitalism as vindicating, you know, the sort of free market purism. But at the same time, with regard to the uh, various inequalities, stupidities, and brutalities of actually existing capitalism, uh, they'll say, no, 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 that's like this, like, statist, like, corporate, you know, thing that, like, has... Crony capitalism. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, but if you're going to say that... um, you really crony can't... capitalism goes to the moon. So fuck you, libertarians. Crony capitalism works. Yeah, crony Stop capitalism. Live in the real world. Read some basic economics. Yeah, exactly. Like capital, like crony capitalism is what's actually created all of that prosperity that you like. And it's like very, very far from obvious that if you actually did a serious divorce, like you actually like stripped down the state to a point that some libertarians would accept, not anarcho-capitalists, of course, but like the more standard libertarians would accept that like all it did was uh, prevent force and fraud and, you know, enforce contracts. Um, okay. So no printed money, which is certainly something that's existed and like some kind of state minted coins or whatever. It's like, it's certainly something that every functioning economy, capitalist or otherwise, that has ever existed has had. Um, no uh, chartering uh, limited liability corporations, which seems to be like a pretty big part of, of how economic growth works under capitalism, that you know, you, you're not on the hook for, for everything. And you know, you're uh, lar- you know, large-scale uh, business ventures, uh, you know, no you know, Federal Reserve, you know, pumping, you know, like priming the pump, you know, none of that stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's like, well, okay, but we have no reason whatsoever. Like we have no real world evidence whatsoever that the economy that you're describing would function at all. Right. Like, like, like all we, I mean, sure. It sounds great in theory, you know, but, uh, that's, uh, but you know, you, you know that's just your that's just your utopian theory in your head. You know that's uh, that has nothing to do with the economic history of the real world. Um, so in the article, state, state development of technology. Anyway, I'll I'll stop. But there, there are a lot of instances. You know, the state, the capitalist state, plays a very large role in all actually existing capitalism. Is the very unoriginal point here. Wow, it turns out that Stefan and Ben are still Marxist. You put another tally in the still still Marxist uh, from last week. Um, but the, the article this week was um, where, where Ben Ben explains why rape is bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, any, for anyone that might curious, thought, this is, maybe this it is was. This is the week you find out. Um, I, it wasn't really what I expected the the article because you you kind of went through um, three common moral theories and gave like quite a, a half the article is is going through three moral theories and giving quite uh, kind of like a basic argument for for why under these systems rape is bad because the the tweeter was trying to imply that because 
there are some things that the state will do to you regardless of what you think about it. Uh, there's then no way to justify having any rule against the state forcing you to do anything. And obviously when people think of being forced to do things, their minds inevitably and invariably go to sexual assault. Yeah. So the, the tweet uh, that, that started all this was from this guy, Jeremy Kaufman, uh, who I was previously unfamiliar with, although people were reacting to him as if he's a well-established character. Uh, but he is a libertarian. He was, um, uh, he's some sort of businessman. I'm a little unclear about what the venture is, but it has something to do with blockchain. I don't care. And then, uh, there is, and he's also, he was also the libertarian candidate for Senate in Vermont, a couple of, no, sorry, Vermont. What am I saying? New Hampshire a couple of years ago. Um, Yes, he was. He was not running against Bernie Sanders for uh, for for Senate in Vermont. He was uh, running for Senate in New Hampshire a couple of years ago, uh, and related to that, he's also a big exponent of uh, something called the Free State Project, which is an effort to get libertarians from other places to move to New Hampshire, so they can, uh, you know, they can turn it into a libertarian paradise. There's a there's uh, a funny Chaco episode about that. They had a lot of problems with bears. Yes, yes. Uh, libertarian walks into a bear. I remember that. Uh, it's quite funny that kind of as soon as you get rid of the state, you kind of start having problems as if you're in the Neolithic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that the sort of, um, yeah, because really it's sort of organized society as it largely exists in 2024. Um, you know, we, we've really... You know, I'm not saying we've brought it down to zero, but we've really minimized bear attacks as a social problem. Well, I mean, um, in the UK, we just exterminated all of them. Well, see, there you go. You've definitely a long time ago. Yeah, no, we we still have some bears, but uh, but but that is the problem is largely pretty well managed. Um, yeah, so uh, this is um, so yeah, I think that Chapo episode. I vaguely remember it. Um, that and the. I think that was the title of the article or book that the guy they were reviewing had written, The Libertarian Walks Into a Bear. Uh, so I think that was like some town in New Hampshire that like really had been like pretty effectively yeah, taken over. they colonized it pretty well and they tried to actually do the thing and it went as well as you'd expect. Yeah, exactly. And it turned out that like there are all these basic social coordination functions that you really need if you don't want to be, for example, overrun by bears. Uh, but um but yeah, in uh, so overall, like I mean, the reason they're targeting New Hampshire in the first place is because it's a small state, so easy to, you know, if there was a big libertarian population influx, it would be easy to, uh, uh, you know, to like you would you would have to bring in less people to to get it's, more. It's the best ratio of low population to not being a complete shithole like North Dakota. Yeah, and then like. Also, it's like a state that has, uh, in many ways, you know, like normal politics. New Hampshire has like, you know, a comparatively speaking, a somewhat libertarian streak to it. So like you can see why, uh, you know, you can see why they thought there was there was an opening there. Uh, I will say. Was it Vermont, the one which has like a like a state assembly with like a thousand members? I don't know that. That I don't know. It has like a thousand to one ratio of people to representatives. 
<laughs> it, was a lot, it was a lot lower than that. It was like 101. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, like they don't have like state income taxes, I think. Although, uh, although conversely, a big source of where uh, state revenue comes from, New Hampshire, is that there is a state monopoly on liquor stores, which which uh, libertarians wouldn't like. Um, but uh, although, you know, I actually think. I actually think that works out really well to, you know, like uh, we, I think we could add running liquor stores to the list of things that the state is perfectly good at doing. Uh, I've, you know, I've like, there, there are some that like people will like come from out of state cause they're like huge, uh, huge liquor stores. I've, I've been to one seemed nice, but uh, in any case uh, that. Yeah, the, the Vermont house of representatives has 150 members. The New Hampshire one has 400. Yeah, since there are 500 people who live in New Hampshire, that's quite a few. But boringly, though, like 396 of them are just Democrats or Republicans because it's America. Yeah, yeah, because it's Americans. Too. I mean, so I should say Jeremy Kaufman got like you know I don't know uh, I don't I, I don't remember I say I, I give the figure of the article, but he did not get a massive percentage of the vote. Uh, it was like a pretty typical third party candidate kind of like you know it was like three percent or something. And so uh, the whole free state thing, I guess, is still a work in progress. But in any case, uh, that's Jeremy Kaufman. The tweet that I was responding to, he says, um, uh, this is very charming. He says, a Libertarian Party candidate should campaign on the redistribution of Taylor Swift. Uh, There's no moral principle under which income redistribution is permissible, but sex redistribution is not. So what I was you know, endeavoring to do is like, well, hold on, let's take this doubtless much more seriously than it deserves to be taken. But you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun exercise. No moral principle under which rape is bad, but, uh, but taxation is okay. It actually seems to me that under almost any moral principle, uh, rape yeah, is I mean, bad. that's why, that's why I was like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is really needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I gave, I gave a few examples. Uh, so, um, you know, you think about like the sort of moral principles you're most likely to hear about in like an introductory level ethics class, uh, and three of the ones that immediately come to mind, Kantianism, utilitarianism, and, uh, Rawls, uh, as theory of justice under all of those, it, it's, it's pretty straightforward to show that rape is bad and, um, and uh, taxation is just fine. Uh, economic redistribution is fine. Um, but, you know, I do go through, you know, I do go through the steps of, of, of showing that, you know, in all three cases for anybody who's curious. Um, and, uh, and, and then, like, really, so really, like, the more accurate claim would be there's, like, exactly one moral principle under which these things have the same status, and that is this kind of fanatical deontological libertarianism a la Robert Nozick, uh, where you say actually all rights are property rights. That's like the that's like the only kind of right there is, basically, or maybe no basically about it. Maybe that is just literally the only kind of right there is that we're gonna just try to like explain everything in terms of uh, of property rights. And so anything else that seems bad, it's bad because it violates your your property rights. So uh, they, you know, 
so so even like rape and murder, the wrongness of those things is explained as a violation of your right of your right to property. In this case, your self ownership, your your property in yourself. So uh, so as far as like refuting his original statement, I think the first part is sufficient. Hey, look at all these moral principles on which there's a difference between these two things. But really, the more interesting part to me is, okay, well, let's let's think about this. This the sort of one view that you have to have, that the proposed moral principle that you would have to hold to put these things in the same bucket would be this all rights or property rights, really the objection to slavery, rape, murder, et cetera, is, is that these were all violations of, of your owner, ownership right over yourself. And so the sort of very short version of my argument that I, I do in a much more leisurely way in the essay is, okay, um, let's actually think this out. Um, you know, like if you think about bodily autonomy, right, that they, that, you know, cause it's like, look, surely one thing that I agree with, you know, even, you know, I'm reluctant to do an armchair diagnosis, but you know, whatever word you want to apply to people like Jeremy Kaufman, you know, who, who think that, uh, who think that rape is no worse than, you know, than, than income tax. Well, I, mean, uh, I, just don't, I don't think he actually thinks that, right? And that's yeah, why yeah. he used, like, the Taylor Swift example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, quite likely there is some level of bad faith going on here, but um, if if only in the sort of... Um, if I mean, only, uh, you know, like... In the, in, the, in the original Sartre and sense where you're, you know, where, like, bad faith often involves, you know not being real with yourself about what you think. Uh, The the, the Swift example is very particular, right? Because, well, first off, she's a very sexless pop star. But also right now, she's kind of uh, somehow the American right are now hating on, you know, uh, American football and and white women sing and and hot dogs and so on. So it's, certainly, it's, certainly at least a particular very online segment of the right is 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 definitely hated on those things. It, it's yeah. very hard to take it seriously that this is something he actually believes. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I mean like so so his point is not that the uh the, the state should conscript Taylor Swift as a sex slave, but uh that if you agree with him that it should not, then you know, then you're somehow uh committed to libertarian uh principles. And he's, you know, and, and should now subject to economic redistribution. That's the that's the argument. And obviously, he's picking Taylor Swift as his example because he thinks it's fun to think about that with Taylor Swift. Because um, I guess a she's hot, and b it's a uh, you know it, it it feeds into the culture war fixations of the moment. Uh, and she's also like completely unassailable. Right, right, right. No, no one can be like, well, actually, you're causing real harm here or whatever, because. Obviously, yeah. nothing's ever going to happen to her, right? Yeah, that all seems right. So, um, so uh, the so okay, like one thing that I even agree with the likes of Jeremy Kaufman about is that bodily autonomy is in fact very important. Uh, that it is that we have not unlimited, right? There might be some disagreement there, uh, but we have like wide and deep rights over ourselves, right? That they, that, um, 
that it is in fact really, really bad to, you know, force people to do things with their bodies against their will. You know, I don't, you know, surely this has to be balanced against other values, et cetera. But like as a, as a general starting point, right. That is very, very bad. Um, totally agree with that. Uh, and you know, there's a kind of, I don't know what, you know, and there's like a, there's always been like a strain of libertarian rhetoric that's, that's made a big deal about at least analogies between bodily autonomy and, um, and sort of libertarian views about everything else. I'm thinking here, um, I mean, due to the particular, I have no idea what Jeremy Kaufman's views about, on, about abortion are uh, at this point, weirdly. Lots of abortion, lots of libertarians are actually anti-abortion, which is bizarre to me. But uh, I just yeah, remember the, the anti-natalist, anti-abortion person I found on Reddit Ask Philosophy once. <laughs> so you're not allowed to you're not allowed to keep the baby, but you know you're also not allowed to have an abortion. Well, you, you shouldn't have started, it, but now it's begun. You know. Okay. All right. So now you're in a morally tragic situation where the yeah, least yeah. bad thing to do is to bring the baby into the world. Um, there we go. That's uh that, you know, to quote I I, <laughs> I I actually quote in the in the essay something my friend Robin once said when I sat in at her intro to philosophy class response to a particularly asinine student comment. That is a thing you could say. Um, so those are clearly a combination of words that's possible to put together and you know utter. Um, so yeah, in uh. So thinking, you know, so there are lots of, uh, but so yeah, now because like there's been this weird sort of, yeah, like kind of takeover even of the Libertarian Party by people who are in many ways pretty culturally conservative and the actual politics of this are very strange. But the, um, but like I can remember a time like, you know, I don't know. 2012 that era where um there was like a libertarian bumper sticker you'd see sometimes that was like i'm pro-choice on everything libertarian yeah. party right um and that was a very common rhetorical strategy uh sort of a, you know associated something that you know that that left and liberal and progressive people like you know which is the sort of bodily autonomy right uh with with regard to pregnancy with uh with you know, libertarians, you know, overall program for everything. And certainly the highbrow philosophical version from somebody like Nozick or, you know, Murray Rothbard, I guess, although I wouldn't put it past him to have been, you know, I have no idea what he thought about abortion by the end of his life, you know, because he went in some pretty crazy directions. Uh, but uh, he was kind of one of the, you know, I, I believe, in fact, one of the speculated authors of those Ron Paul newsletters uh, from uh, that, uh, you know, because he was like a big advocate of fusionism that, you know, libertarians should be in like a strategic alliance with like paleoconservatives. But mm -hmm. um, in any case, uh, that's, but like, you know, Rothbard, his more philosophical vein or like Robert Nozick, that that sort of view says, oh yeah, of course, bodily autonomy is great, but like, here's, here's our theory of it, that what bodily autonomy is, is it's a kind of property, right? In fact, mm -hmm. This is like the sort of foundational property, right? And, um, you know, you'll get some libertarians saying, I've, I've certainly run into this over the years uh, of spending more time on these people than is, is really 
quite justifiable in terms of their percentage of the population uh, that they'll say, oh, well, bodily autonomy is like the sort of first premise from which everything, you know, or self-ownership rather, right? Self-ownership, let's say, is the first premise from which everything else follows, which isn't really true because uh, even if you do accept that our rights over ourselves are kind of property right, that by itself doesn't get you property rights in the external world. Uh, mm -hmm. You still have to have some further theory of that, like, you know, John Locke's view that, you know, you acquire rights to external property by mixing your labor with it, or the uh, the Wolves theory, which is that you acquire property rights uh, in the external world by peeing on it, right, or, or you know, whatever, you know, whatever your preferred uh, view on that is. Um uh, that so you know and that's still you can still accept self-ownership and, and get off the bus with whatever the theory of external property is but what interests me for the purposes of this essay is like okay but should you accept self-ownership like in other words uh should moral intuitions about bodily autonomy actually lead us to accept self-ownership this view that like that what best explains these intuitions is some sort of libertarian theory of property rights over oneself. Uh, and I think no, right? I, and I think there are probably a few different ways of getting to know, but the way I do here is to say, look, um, sure, so we have these moral intuitions about bodily autonomy. And if what you're essentially pushing is some sort of like argument that like the simplest explanation of these intuitions is that this is like a kind of property right then well let's take that for a test drive right i mean if you if you think that um you know if you think oh you shouldn't postulate two different kinds of rights right 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 a and right b you should just postulate one okay well let's see if they're actually the same right uh and that's this is not uh the same way that it's like look if i say um you know if I, uh, if you're trying to figure out who Batman is and, you know, you're testing the theory that Bruce Wayne is Batman, you say, okay, well, is everything that's true, Bruce Wayne, true of Batman? If we know that Bruce Wayne was in this location at this time, right? Was Batman seen somewhere else at that time, right? If so, Bruce Wayne's probably not Batman. Uh, similarly here, let's see if what the things that seem to be true of bodily autonomy or true self-ownership and vice versa. And I think, no, right? Like, so the, um, and, you know, I, I think there are probably a few things that could be pointed to in this direction. Uh, Which will illuminate via microwaves. <laughs> yeah, so so the example, so I, I think you made an interesting point when we were like teasing this at the end of last week, I want to get into, but yeah, the example I gave in the essay is if you compare property rights like i own a microwave to um bodily autonomy rights right i have some sort of right over you know my body my labor all that stuff um uh, well let's see if they, these these two kinds of rights have the same features and so I said, look um what if the you know i mean what exactly property amounts to is a tricky question in itself. Uh, even some libertarians like Jason Brennan uh, will admit that there's a sort of complicated bundle of rights that we're mm -hmm. really talking about. We talk about, you know, property, 
But certainly one thing that seems to be pretty core to the idea of property is that to have a property right over something is to say that you could sell it. I mean, this is the, this is, um, you know, I mean, maybe you could like, you know, renounce that to contract or something, but like short of that, this is like, seems to be a pretty, this seems to be pretty core to anything that we would call a property, right? That like, um, that, you know, property is the kind of thing you buy and sell, right? Or at least can buy and sell. You might choose not to. That's fine. It's your property. It's up to you. But um, but at least it's the kind of thing that can be bought and sold. So uh, if, you know, if I, uh, if I own a microwave, I could, if I find a willing buyer, right, I could sell the microwave. Uh, and whereas uh, when we think about this sort of, moral intuitions about bodily autonomy, I can't sell myself into slavery. In fact, one of the, um, you know, in fact, the, the, those intuitions about bodily autonomy seem to militate against allowing slavery, even of that form, right? That people in desperate circumstances could sell themselves into it. Uh, That's like, no, we think that would be bad precisely because uh, once sold into slavery, I would, you know, I wouldn't have those rights over my body. And we think people should have those all the time, no matter what. Uh, but wait a second, this is a huge disanalogy. I mean, if, you know, and, and people, libertarians have these strategies for getting around this. Like I've seen like Roderick Long, I think uh, as a libertarian who wrote an essay about this, where he says, uh, well, the difference is that, uh, I'm alienable from external property but I'm not alienable for myself. So like, eh, that seems like an equivocation to me. What do we mean by alienable? Right? Like, uh, cause you know, there are two like stick with the microwave. Imagine that, um, you know, imagine that I you know had a housemate uh, and, you know, I sort of parenthetically say, in the essay, thank you very much for paying subscribers for keeping this example hypothetical. But, uh, you know, imagine that I had a housemate and I decided, oh, I'm going to like sell my microwave to him. And, um, and we could even agree at the time of the sale. It's like, look, I mean, you, you, uh, we live in the same apartment. I obviously could continue to use this, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, that if I'm, uh, you know, I have access to it, it's not alienated for me in that sense that I no longer have access to it, but obviously it's your property now. So, you know, cause, cause I'm selling it to you. So I, I can't use it without your permission, just like I can't use any of your other things without your permission, even if I did this. Right. So it's like, look, uh, in that scenario where I have, I have, uh, I've sold my, I've sold the microwave to the housemate, but either he continues to keep it in the kitchen or even he keeps it in his room, but he doesn't like lock his door. Right, like to his bedroom. Right, I could come in and use the microwave while he's gone, uh, but uh, we understand that I'm not supposed to. Right, that's like, uh, well, that seems to be pretty closely analogous to I sell myself into slavery, and then I try to run away. Right, then it's like I, I am exploiting the fact that I have continued access to this, even though I no longer have a property right to it. So it seems like the sense in which I am or am not alienated seems to be very similar. And if you say, well, it's a property right, but it's a special kind of property right that's unlike other kinds of properties, this seems to me like uh, pretty ad hoc, right? Like it seems like, no, the simpler explanation here is that these are just two 
two different kinds of rights. And in fact, look, if we just to really spell out the point, if we imagine that the state passed a law say that uh, people aren't allowed to sell their microwave ovens once they've acquired them because because uh, then they wouldn't be able to use them to heat up their leftovers whenever they felt like it anymore. So it's like their right to heat up their leftovers is so important that they're not allowed to sell these. I think we would correctly understand that not as a protection of my property right over my microwave, but a severe violation of it, right? It's, it's mine. I yeah, should I mean, be able to once again tonight, you just seem to be getting into the normal kind of contestation in liberal society between different forms of rights where you, yeah. where you start to invoke, you know, well, actually, you can't murder me because that would violate my property rights or whatever. And it, it's just, it just seems such a worse explanation than it's being like, well, actually, what you're saying is you think you have a right to life. Yeah, exactly. Just, right. It just stands by itself. Which is a very different thing, right? And we can make the same point with the right to life. That if I, I have um, that, um, that's like, look, why if, you know, is my right over my body, uh, like, is my right to life best understood as a property, right? It's like, well, look, what if I, you know, what if I, uh, you know, what if I, I make a contract with Hannibal Lecter that, you know, he, he transfers some, some money to my loved one's bank account and then he could eat me, right? Like, um, yeah, but then also, like, and then I kill myself. Like, have yeah. I done something wrong there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, well, totally, right? Which is, and like, I think those examples about killing yourself, et cetera, are part of why I would say, like, I don't even think bodily autonomy is like a uh, unlimited, right? Right? Like, I think it's, I think that, uh, I think it's like a very important value that sometimes bumps up against other values. But, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, in this, in this case, right, like it, it does, these do seem to be very different and a different point I could have made. I mean, you were kind of hinted at this at the end of the discussion. So I don't say this in the essay, but you know, maybe I should have is, um, we could also run the point in, in other directions that there's, there seemed to be the same way that if, if we were taking literally this, this idea that, oh, my bodily autonomy is a property right over my body. Then there are things that I could do to my body with my body. I sell it to a slaver, right. To keep my children from starving or whatever that I can't right? So under the property, right. So an actual self-ownership property, right. Would give me rights over my body that I think any sane person in 2024 doesn't actually think I have. Uh, but similarly, and you know, Similarly, that the that um, I have rights over my body that I would not have over a piece of property, right? Like if I, you know, sold the microwave and then a week later I was like, you know what? I thought about it. I actually still want to use that microwave. So so here I'll give you your money back, and you give me the microwave back. On any normal understanding of property rights, my housemate would have every right to say no. Sorry, yeah. I'm keeping the microwave, right? That you know you don't have a right to like. Have sat with, with, with bodily ownership, it seems like you wouldn't even have to give the money back. It yeah, seems yeah. like any, any substantive right would just be able to, you just have to change your mind. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the right to change your mind seems like a huge disanalogy here that it's like, yeah, if I have, um, like, surely whatever kind of fucked up uh, employment contracts, even the most extreme libertarians might think I, you know, it's fine to enter into. Um, 
yeah, anybody who's not a complete sociopath, you know, in, in the 2020s would say, yes, I would surely have a right to decide I do not want to be this person's slave and, you know, cancel our arrangement. But of course, that's not how property works. Once you've sold a piece of property, uh, you, you know, you don't have a right to just think better of it later if unless the buyer generously lets you, right? Like if yeah, you completely obliterate all your rights to it. Yeah, yeah. The buyer, you know, now has every right to say no. Right. Which so is, that's what's probably a bit where, where this kind of stuff doesn't fit with human sentiment, you know. With what? Human sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the point, right? That it's like that this sort of like intuitive idea of rights over your body that we have. No, but is, I mean with rights over property. Like for oh, instance, if yeah, yeah. you know, if I sold you my family home and then a year later I wanted to come visit for for like like the anniversary of my mother's death or something and, right. and sit in the garden at the place where ashes were scattered. And I hadn't established yeah. a legal right to that. If you refused me to do that, you'd be completely in your legal rights. Right. But you'd also be a bastard and you'd be doing something wrong. And I think, yeah. I think this is a major thing with libertarianism where, and I think this is a major thing going on with, with my own thoughts on, on bodily autonomy, um, that there needs to be a distinction between what our legal rights are and what our moral rights are. But libertarianism is basically premised on collapsing this distinction. Yeah, I mean, different libertarians I think, say different things about this. Like some of them will still say, look, just because I think that all these things should be legal, right, doesn't mean that I, I think they're morally right. But like, uh, but on the other hand, if you're a hardcore deontological libertarian who thinks that like all rights are property rights that seems like no you don't really get to make that move anymore right yeah, like, like, what the moral basis is there yeah exactly because it's like well you, if, you, if you're, you're telling us the other thing so yeah if you're going to make the distinction that you need like a moral theory that's not about property rights and once you have a moral theory that's not about property rights that's like well hold up maybe we could use that to ground some of the stuff that you want to reduce to property rights so yeah i think there is going to be a tricky problem for them there and so one of the things, one of the other ways of making the same point that like the sort of intuitive properties of a right to bodily autonomy are very different than the properties of property rights uh, is the one that, you know, I, I think you were kind of hinting at uh, at the end of our discussion last week, which is, look, um, I can, uh, it also seems to be the case that, you know, people at least you know granted some of these are controversial cases right but it's like that there are at least widely held views about bodily autonomy that would give me rights over my body that i absolutely would not have over my property right so if if uh you know if somebody uh if there are so think about abortion rights that um that you know if you have like the idea that, um, you know, the fetus and, you know, again, this is all very controversial stuff, but like, you know, but certainly if you have the Judith Jarvis Thompson uh, type view about yeah. this, that like, it's that, you know, that you're, that you'd have a bodily autonomy right to abortion, even if, you know, the fetus counted as a person, uh, then like, look, that's, that goes well beyond anything that you could justify with property rights. I mean, if you have, right. a if, I've, if I've gone into your garden to look at my mother's ashes, it seems probably wrong for you to shoot me in the head. Yes, exactly. 
crucially, even if you refuse to leave, right? Even if like- Yeah, that's no, so what I mean. Like I just went in myself. Yeah, yeah. Like you just went in yourself. It's not even like, you know, it's like even if they gave you several warnings before they yeah. shot you in the head, yeah. uh, it still seems pretty bad to shoot you in the head for that, right? That doesn't seem like something property rights would cover, right? If you have- and uh, it, and it, it is kind of the complete opposite position of the law in our crony capitalism. Well, I don't know if it's in the US, but in the UK, trespassing is not a crime. It's a civil matter. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm actually not 100% on that uh, as far as US law goes, but um, but they, you know, it's not, um, yeah, what exactly you could be charged with for trespassing, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you would get charged with something in the UK because it's illegal here to like be rude to someone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah the, the, the point I, I did make, but, but, but you certainly don't have like whether it's handled through the, the civil or the criminal courts, right? You certainly don't have a legal right to be on somebody's property without their permission. But uh, violated that right doesn't mean that you've sacrificed your right to life, even in the United States, right? Like that's like, you know, you're not allowed to just shoot squatters. Uh, and, and, and my God, I mean, that's even like somebody who's like made a, uh, I guess that's a, you know, yeah. Zizek voice. My God, you know, say uh, my, uh, like that's even somebody who is making a conscious decision to violate your property rights. Never mind what you'd think the situation is if you think the fetus is a person, which is somebody who is like, I don't know, a unconscious person who somehow tripped onto your property. And, yeah. uh, and for some reason, there's no way to remove them without killing them in the process. Right. Uh, that person, like if there's anybody you're not allowed to kill, right. That, that person I just described would be somebody that you're not allowed to kill. Right. So, uh, so if you think, Right. And again, I understand it's a controversial case, you know, but like if you do have these uh, Judith Jarvis Thompson views about abortion, right, then uh, then it doesn't really seem like self-ownership can can ground that. Right. I mean, it seems like, you know, it seems like the kinds of rights that we tend to think that we have over our body go way beyond uh, that any any rights that it would be sane to say that somebody has over legitimate external property america truly is the freest country oh yeah charles goes says up to 20 2500 fine up to 12 months jail sentence yeah i, I did uh, see recently that you that americans put in prison uh, the, the mother of a school shooter who was like kind of irresponsible but in no ways like straightforwardly criminally culpable and it is really amazing that there, there seems to be a complete commitment across America that if we just put like the right people in enough numbers in, in, in jail, all of our social problems will be resolved. Yeah, that's a, that's a widely held view. Uh, and like, yeah. I, I think that's quite common among liberals too. They just have quite different ideas of who those people should be. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's also, that's also true. Um, yeah, no, I, that's, you know, and, and I think that really, uh, yeah, and I think that's the way to put it too, right? Because it's not like, because like almost nobody actually thinks that nobody anywhere um, should be in jail. There are like 
they're like 20 moral saints who like actually believe that and have internalized it and act on it right that uh but it's like everybody else kind of thinks that some people should be in jail uh like a, and, a and if they don't they think they should be like beaten to death or something <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so like a really good test to this is like you know uh Derek Chauvin, right? You know, it's like, should, 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 should he be in jail? Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, but, but it goes beyond that, right? It's like, it's, it's like, I think that's like pretty universal, but I think our national disease is like, you know, you think, no, 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 it's not just that some people should be in jail. It's that like, if, if enough of the right people were in jail, that would like actually solve like some sort of huge social problems. Um, despite, you know, despite the fact that like there's that this, jail is probably America's number one social problem. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's number one, but it's certainly, it's probably, it's certainly yeah, like poverty, I guess is, but poverty is a bit generic, isn't it? Like what is poverty uh, anyway? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, yeah. So poverty is, uh, I actually looked this up cause I have an article that I don't think is out yet. I'm going to check while we're talking. No, it's not out yet, but it's coming out. Uh, soon, I hope, in the Daily Beast about a um, uh, a U.S. senator who said maybe the dumbest thing I've ever seen a senator say. Uh, I mean, I know there's competition. Uh, I know competition is fierce, right? There's the... I mean, uh, they, there's U.S. senator which says this stuff about, like, it's snowing but global warming, like, every month. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That That wouldn't even, like that wouldn't even like be in contention, right? Like a statement like that, right? Like that's, that's not, uh, that's, that's, you know, there, that's just like, uh, you know, that's like saying that like, you know, you're going to win a marathon cause you can jog around the block. Uh, so I think that, uh, so yeah, controversial pick, right? Lots of competition, but, uh, I think a serious contender from, from this last week, is uh, a uh, Republican senator who was justifying his vote for the uh, the, the the bill to fund uh, Ukraine and Israel, uh, and in the course of explaining why it was so important to beat Russia, uh, he uh, he referred to Putin as, and I quote, the modern Marx. Based. <laughs> so um, yeah, that, he's just like Marx. Is he's read like quite a lot of books. <laughs> yeah i mean i i guess maybe that's the analogy uh they uh they've both read a suspicious number of books um yeah putin does strike me as somebody who probably is a reader i mean like especially because i think he's still I mean, kind this, of this is someone's speculation on twitter for why he invaded ukraine is that he spent all of lockdown isolated because he, he's super isolated because yeah, oh. he's in that like james bond villain covid bunker yeah, yeah he's he's like one of the the top Along with um, who's that guy that the 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 rapper who did the rap with um, Ben Shapiro, Tom McDonald, Tom McDonald and Putin like the top two right winger, anti-vax but pro-masker guys in the world. <laughs> yeah, like they, I, they're so scared of COVID. But yeah, he just spent I, the whole time in in isolation during COVID and just read a lot of books and was like, "Damn, <laughs> fucking Ukraine's fake, man." <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it was, um, yeah, like, because he had, I remember reading at the time, there's this article in the New York Times about it, where they were like, you had to, you know, just the few people who got to see Putin in the sense that they were like on the opposite end of a very long table from him, <laughs> like, uh, 
not only do you have to get a test, you had to like go through this like tunnel where you were like sprayed with disinfectants. And, you know, it, it really was some James Bond villain level stuff, except like- You had to submit of- shit samples. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, yeah. So, uh, and it is interesting because he has, um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe whatever he was reading in COVID, maybe the fact that he wasn't getting out much uh, talking to people meant that he was getting some very inaccurate sources of information because, like, that's also part of the deal that it seems like, you know, Russia might have won, uh, which would have been a disaster for them also. Uh, you know, turn Ukraine into Afghanistan, but like Russia might have won if, uh, you know, right away, if the Russian army was still in the condition that it was once in. But, um, or, but I mean, it, they, they went with a military plan, which seemed like a dusted off 2014, like police operation kind of plan, you know, where yeah. they were like reinstalling the legitimate president, not like actually fighting a state to state war. But, right. but, but yeah, so, so, so in any case, the reason I was bringing all this up is because in the course of researching for this little article about, you know, why this is such an impressively stupid thing to say, um, I was looking at, uh, at, at like where, where contemporary Russia stands in, uh, in, in levels of wealth and equality. And it's, uh, much worse than most developed countries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They have a one, 1% owns like 57% of the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so almost doubles kind of the European average. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, um, so yeah, they're in like, they're, they're in the like top, uh, top bracket with, you know, us, but, uh, that's, uh, but yeah, in, uh, in any case, um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think poverty is, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's like the most important one, but like, it's, 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 it's certainly, it's certainly not unique in any way, uh, even for relatively developed countries. Although, although we are kind of leading the pack, you know, we have, we have like, you know, we're in that like special category with Russia and, you know, a few other places for, uh, for, uh, for very developed countries that have, have this kind of inequality. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that as far as sort of relatively culturally unique pathologies, um, you know, like the, the main one I always think for America is that there's this sort of sense that you get, and I'm sure this does play a role in political discourse in other countries, but I, I think is probably more hyper-developed in the U S that it's like, there's all this free floating anxiety about the idea that someone somewhere might be getting a government benefit who doesn't deserve it. Uh, right. like, I think that the sort of, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, that, that one's a, a pretty strong one in the UK too. Yeah. Like, it is one which has kind of been deliberately developed for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I think that's like definitely one of our, you know, one of the, again, relatively right. UK sure. Right. You know, relatively culturally unique, uh, uh, ones, but there's also, uh, but yes, I think also that the, the media for, for locking people up uh is uh is gotta be uh has has gotta be has gotta be one of them because it's like you know history i mean i don't know you know the last 10 years might have chipped into this a little bit but like um because there actually has been some reform since then but like certainly the classic thing was that you'd, you'd look at it and be like either the u.s always had the most incarceration per capita or there'd be 
like some tiny island nation whose name I don't remember that like technically has more incarceration per capita. Yeah, no, I think, like, I think America you know, is is in first place and by about two times, and the, the next one from Russia, um, both yeah. in absolute and relative terms. Um, yeah, but I did want to ask you, Ben, about self ownership because we've you know, yeah. we've we've kind of dumped on libertarians, but sure. For self ownership, no, sorry, not self ownership, for bodily autonomy, um, yeah, as a moral right, I find myself yeah. very unconvinced. Like as a legal okay. right, sure, in the sense uh, that you know, I think people probably even have a legal right to like do heroin. Like as in, I think they probably shouldn't be arrested for doing that. But I definitely don't think right. we have a moral right to do heroin. And certainly something like, for instance, you have a legal right not to do exercise, uh, but do you have a moral right not to do exercise? Are you sure? Like, are you structurally treating your body, which is you, in in such a way badly, you know, and on a, on a Kantian basis, on a virtue ethics basis, whatever you want, yeah. not not treating yourself with dignity, not acting towards towards virtue or whatever. It seems to me like. There is, in, in terms of bodily autonomy, if we mean people have a moral right to treat themselves in whatever way they want, that to me, no, I, 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 that seems almost the opposite of morality to me, which is so, morality is normally framed as you have to do these very particular things. Yeah, so so I think that we want to distinguish between a couple of different ideas of moral right to bodily autonomy here. So, because uh, there's also some ambiguity in just saying that um, that you should have like, relatively wide-ranging legal rights to do with your what you want with your own body right because um because it's like look i mean we agree yes you should um i would i go as far heroin that's uh i'm, I'm more conflicted on that one but that's a we, we don't need to get into that today right so uh in um but in any case um you know i i, I do kind of i do tend to think that like you know, heroin addicts like people who are like suicidally depressed, you know, might be in a category that you need to be safe from yourself. And, you know, and there's a certain give and take as far as autonomy goes there. Uh, but, um, but I do, but look on the broader point, right? Like that there's a, so we agree there's a wide range of things that like legally you should be, uh, you should be able to do with your own body. And we also agree, of course, that there's, there's not, it's, that doesn't mean that like, uh it's it's not you know there's no moral objection to doing pretty yeah, much whatever on, you want. on the face of things we don't conflate the two they have to be yeah, they both yeah. have to be defended separately yeah sure but i i would also push the point i would push here is uh that well what we would talk about because like i think there's a sense in which you might still think that there's a moral right to bodily autonomy by which I just made this, right. You could think that there are all sorts of different, like, you know, like, like where does that should come from for the, like you should legally have a right to have a, do a wide range of things to your body. And so like one theory that you could have of that is that that's just like a utilitarian kind of should, right. That it's like uh, on balance, it's going to lead to better consequences than not or something like that. Right. But uh, but but I think you could also think, and I, I am pretty inclined to this in this direction, right? That no, it it's it's morally unjust to uh, to 
coerce people to, you know, to do things with their own body that they, you know, that they don't want to do, uh, to, to violate people's, you know, to violate people's control over their own body. Uh, it's like intrinsically morally unjust to do that. Right. That they, that like, it would be, you know, not in an absolute way. Right. Again, I do think you have to balance this against other values in some situations, but like, um, but generally speaking, it's morally unjust to uh, to deprive people of control over their own bodies, uh, their own labor, and um, you know. But that doesn't, you know, and 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 this is like something that would apply even when like the consequentialist case doesn't necessarily line up that way, right? So, I think that's an important kind of moral right to bodily autonomy. And I think that's also entirely consistent with saying that it's like, look, that doesn't mean that you aren't doing anything wrong when you make certain kinds of decisions about uh, oh, Picard idols. Thank you. Uh, and they, the they, uh, they, uh, the British, like the one British policeman, turned up there and was like, "Wait, everyone here is a bloody nonce," and they like, had to put all the men in jail. <laughs> so there you go. They actually managed to beat the U.S. Nice. Uh, so. Uh, so yeah, that they. Uh, but that's that doesn't mean that you aren't doing anything wrong when you make certain kinds of decisions with your body, right? In other words, that it's like um, that it could very well be, like you know, like the, that sort of Kantian idea that the uh, that you have that you know you have to treat humanity, whether in your own person or that of another, as as dead itself, or you're doing something morally wrong. And that there are things you could do even to your own body that, you know, would, would violate that, that, you know, um, I, I, I think that that's like, yeah, that could be right. Sure. Right. That's not like, but, um, but the, the point is that it's, that it's like a serious injustice is, has been done to you all else being equal when, you know, coercion is used uh, in that sphere of like what goes on in your body. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that maybe there's two different kinds of rights going on, which is kind of the rights we have in relation to our, like in relation to others, where we yeah. can unduly kind of, without good reason, interfere with someone else. But it, it feels like kind of, if we're talking about bodily autonomy, we think bodily autonomy is, is really important. When it kind of comes down to the brass tacks is is when we're, we're, we're talking about kind of ourselves. I don't know, maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm kind of taking the libertarian idea, you know. Actually, maybe I'm making the error that I'm critical of where we kind of take the body as, as alienated from the self there. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I th- I, again, I think that you could say, um, I think that it's, you know, I, I think it's fine to say, you you know, that there might be things, There, I mean, surely there are things, surely there are lots of things, right, that about which both of the following would be correct moral statements that I am doing something morally criticizable if I do X, but also you are doing something extremely morally criticizable. If you use coercion to stop me from doing X, right? Like that, that's not actually that uncommon, a, uh, a, a combination of, of things, right? That that's, it's uh, like just to pick obvious examples, like it's, uh, it's morally wrong to cheat on your girlfriend, but uh, it would be very seriously morally problematic to like, you know, to like use physical force 
to prevent uh, to prevent somebody from having consensual sex, you know, just because it would you know it would be morally wrong for them them to do so because they're like cheated on their girlfriend. Maybe I just have really weird morals because my immediate thought there was like, uh... oh, you, you like like if, if my bro is is saying like I'm I'm about to go in my car and cheat on my girlfriend. I I don't feel if I don't feel wrong by going like not like you know, not detaining him in the house forever or whatever. But if I like shoved him back inside and was like, mate, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, look, I think there's a, I think there's like lots of cases where, um, where like you're sort of doing, um, you know, I, I think yeah, there like, are lots ultimately, of cases. I, I'm not ultimately preventing him from doing that, even if in, yeah, yeah. in a kind of concrete physical situation, I am bodily, bodily, yeah. violating his bodily. Yeah, look, I, if you really I mean, insist I, on it, I'm going to let him do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like they have a, it's like, look, I think there are lots of things where like, you know, my anti-coercion intuitions probably don't kick in at a shove, but they would kick in at like, you know, handcuffs. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm the morality police. <laughs> I, I'm actually, you know, I'm not in terms of, in terms of personal relationships. I'm not at all libertarian in, in terms of what you know. What's moral? I'm just one of the few people I think that's able to distinguish between moral rights and legal rights. I think a distinction which, in popular culture, is completely falling apart. Yeah, right. So, 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 and I, and I think that they, and I think that very distinction takes us back to the right answer to your question, right? That they, that, um, that it's not just, uh, that what would like, like adjust, there are things that you don't have a moral right to do in the sense that you, it like in the sense of moral right, where it's like, Oh, I have a moral right to do X means I'm not doing anything wrong if I do X, but morally, you should have a right to do in the sense that it would be like morally unjust to prevent you from doing it. Yeah. So that's, you know, that, that seems like a, you know, that seems like a pretty common situation. I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I think it would be, uh, I, I very much, uh, don't want to be, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I probably, uh, I have a hard time imagining myself shoving the person in that situation, <laughs> but like, while we were in the same room, I, I I would certainly like, you know, might yell at them, right? You know, that's like uh, that's uh, and uh, but man, I sure don't want to live in a society where you know where you're like arrested for that. Yeah, but you know, I I accept that too, while also being more iffy on it in kind of like a a a, a personal kind of relationship kind of thing. It is funny when people will try and. Like, you know, because I've I've talked I talk relatively often about people who are what I call consent solifists. Yeah, yeah. People who not only insist that kind of consent and bodily autonomy and these kinds of ideas are the only possible way um, to justify morality. That they, even if you propose and you say, well, no, actually, actually, harm and pain is bad. They'll try yeah. and re-explain all those things in terms of pain is bad because I don't consent to it or something like this. And it is it is really great to give them the obvious examples where it is morally right to physically coerce people. Like, for instance, if you weren't leaving your house, sorry, if you were leaving your house to cheat on your girlfriend, 
to get in the car, but you were also stone drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it would be then, completely then be- morally justifiable for me to physically stop you. Yeah, like that is fine to like actually like take the person's keys and all. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, or, or in fact, if you happen to be holding your car keys and barely able to walk, uh, drunkenly stumble past a cop, it's fine for them to you know to like actually prevent you, you know, from uh, from getting in the car. But yeah, even if uh, that yeah, isn't it, a crime. Probably shouldn't be a crime, but it should be one of those things where the police can just be like, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty okay with laws against drunk driving, but yeah, that's... Uh, no, no, I mean, but in the sense uh, that stumbling towards your car with your car oh, yeah, is like yeah, the actual to drunk drive, but it's not drunk driving. Yeah, and you yeah, might yeah, just yeah, get in there, yeah. you might be getting in there to get warm or whatever, you know? Yeah, 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 but they should stop you and make sure yeah. that's what you're getting in for and maybe even make guide you to get warm somewhere else where you're less likely to forget that you're not supposed to be driving right now. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's like a general thing there that's just like, um, it's not unreasonable to try to see if like, oh, are there like, here are a couple of things that seem to be objectionable for similar reasons. Maybe we can extract like a more general principle that applied both cases, but it's like, it, also, I think it's like real easy to OD on that, right? That they have a, that like, you just like want to turn everything into being the same thing when it's like, no. Like sometimes there are actually like different principles that are all important, right? That they, uh, that, um, I, I think I need to like, um, self Freud myself and, and realize this is all just a resentment based on me believing that my parents didn't force me to do enough things as a child. <laughs> yeah. Although again, like, yeah, that thing about, I didn't consent to the pain. I mean, like where my mind immediately went when I thought about that is, is with like very young children. It's like, well, yeah. Um, like surely the objection to like inflicted pain on a toddler is not they didn't consent to it because they they also don't consent to anything else that's happening right like that's you know you're you're uh uh it's like yeah they also right they're, they're, their set of things which they will consent to and won't consent to are completely disconnected from what is good for them or good for anyone yeah exactly right that's like it's yeah, you surely so it's like yeah, like it's it's surely wrong all else being equal to inflict pain on toddlers. <laughs> I, I would say though that actually lots of adults do live their lives doing the equivalent of listening to like a loop of, of baby shark while eating candy. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, but you can't um but it's like, yeah, fine to force the toddler to go to bed when they're not ready to, you know, like fine to Fine to coercively enforce bedtime, uh, you know, but uh, I can't but believe also- you hate anarchists, Ben. <laughs> I can't believe a part of the pro homework, pro bedtime fascist mafia. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Right? It's like, yeah. So if you, it's fine, if there's a kind of being that it's fine to enforce homework on and like uh, and uh, and bedtime on, but it's it's generally speaking still wrong to inflict pain on um that uh you know if they're getting a shot that's like good for them or whatever that might be different but generally it's wrong to inflict pain on them that strongly suggests that pain is bad quite beyond not consented to it or like god i mean i even think you know i think it would be you know um you know i mean i i have a you know 
I have a dog and a cat. I make all kinds of decisions they don't consent to, you know, that, uh, but like, I still think it would be morally wrong to inflict pain on them, uh, you know, uh, without, well, I mean, without you, a really you get good... into the thing of like, then surprise parties become immoral and stuff like this. Right. Which, which <laughs> right, people, right, right, people right. will argue online. They'll definitely argue that, that surprise but, parties are immoral. Yeah. That sounds like a, that sounds like a Reddit, uh, discussion, the, uh, you know, somebody really biting the bullet on the, the immorality of surprise parties. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look, consent is very, very important. Um, it's, you so. know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's very important, you know, like, uh, you know, rape is bad. Uh, involuntary medical experiments are bad, etc. But, uh, it's, uh, but it is, it turns out not the only important thing. Wow. Wow. What was your uh, essay on Wednesday, Ben? I didn't read it. Yeah, sometimes there are as many as three or four different important things that, uh, that are all important. Well, yeah. well Marx, so, there's certain ones that can be two. Okay. Yeah, and also, yeah. there can't be one either. It always has to be two. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the, 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 um, so the thing that's actually I'm running late, but should be coming up uh, later today, uh, is a uh, is, a, is an essay. This is extremely silly, but you know, but I've been thinking about this for a while on uh, why Ayn Rand would have hated the movie Midsommar. Uh So uh, that's uh, Great, uh, that's, yeah. that sounds fun. I mean, it could not be, but the balance of probabilities <laughs> uh, indicates that it will be. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will be fun. What's? Can you give us a hint? Like I can't connect anything <laughs> there at all. Yeah. Apart from, like, I, mean, I don't true. know, the the cultist people are very collective, but they're the bad guys. So, like, she thought, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. anti-collective. Was it pro-collectivist? Because actually, the cultists are right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that very question about whether the cultists are right, right, is. Um, is interested, right? Because, I mean, clearly there's a sense in which no, they're bad. <laughs> uh, but, I, don't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't. She did not consent to this. Just generally, the, yeah. most of the film. Yeah, there's quite a bit of non-consensual things happening in that movie. Uh, yeah, but look, I, I, I guess here would be my hint: Is it true that there's no sense in which that movie has a happy ending? No, yeah, I mean she has her ecstatic experience or whatever. Like it's, it's like also like, killed four people or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so this, so, so okay. So, I actually, so this is Ben, the, I, I don't value white women finding themselves that much. No comment. Uh, but, um, but in any case, I think, uh, yeah. So I, I think that this is, I think when you think about um, personal fulfillment and moral virtue, um, this actually also strikes me as a plausible case in which those two things are actually two things, not one thing. And uh, thinking about that got me thinking about Ayn Rand, and that's probably a good enough preview. Cool. So, and, it, and it's kind of a continuation of, of today in some ways. Exactly. I'm sure we'll rotate around the same topics because we are the same two people every week. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, 
yeah, Heraclitus notwithstanding, that does seem right to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, next week we'll step into another river. Um, goodbye, everyone. <laughs>